Welcome to Soundings Podcast. I'm Dudley Evanson, and for more than four decades, my husband Dean Evanson and I have created music and media that supports people and the planet. In our Soundings Podcast, we'll be sharing interviews with wisdom keepers we have met in the course of our life journey. To learn more about our activities and releases, please visit our website and blog at soundings.com. So I'm sitting here with my sweet husband, Dean Evanson, and we uh, just released our album, Monet's Garden. It was uh, based on our journey to France a couple of years ago. We were very fortunate to get there before um, everything closed down, and we had literally the trip of a lifetime. So, Dean, did we have fun or what? We sure did. That was fabulous. Yeah, well, this was Dean's first time going to Paris and France. and In fact, we started out in Paris where we went to um, all of the museums uh, where Monet's paintings were hanging. Yeah, it was really wonderful to, to be around such beautiful artwork. So really the source of Impressionist painting and um, just to be able to see them hanging in uh, the L'Orangerie, uh, a little bit in the Louvre, but um, the Musée d'Orsay. And then we uh, also went to the Musée Marmortin uh, Monet, which is uh, has a lot of the later Monet paintings. We really enjoyed being in the L'Orangerie. Do you remember that one with the big paintings? Yeah, the the decorations, as they were originally called. Uh, Monet did these huge paintings, um, eight by 20 feet. We should get that measurement, but it's huge. And he would, he created them to create an environment where you walk into a room with all his paintings surrounding you and you get a real feeling for what his interpretation was what was happening in his garden. I appreciate those paintings in particular because they were done around the time of World War One, and I believe some of his um, his children were actually involved in the war, and it was really encroaching upon uh, Giverny, where he lived with his family, um, or his family had probably grown up by then, but it he, was an important... Um, uh, almost like a art therapy for him, would you say? Well, he didn't stop painting. He dedicated himself to continuing on, no matter whether the war was happening or not. He was not happy about the war. So he worked out his own methods and own lifestyle by going and painting and painting and painting. His style of painting, he did the big, huge paintings in his studio, but he also would go out into nature a lot and uh, do paintings based on the different times of the day which had different kinds of light. There's a special atmosphere where he had his studio and in, as the day goes on, the moisture content in the atmosphere changes, and so the quality of the image changes. And he worked it. 
he he would have six, eight paintings up, and he would go from one to the other as the day went on and created this beautiful collection of the same objects, the same nature, but the different times of the day. Well, the Impressionist uh, painters were the first ones who really painted en, ple- en plein air, as they say, outdoors. Uh, me- before that, uh, painters would probably do sketches and, you know, they would then come back in and paint them in the studios. But these painters really loved nature and they made a special point to be outside as much as possible painting. Yeah. And I think that's what um, I appreciate about your work, Dean, because with your video video work that you just love to be out there different times of the day and mm-hmm. you know, videoing. Yeah, getting that image that really makes you feel like you're there and feel alive. I think you're in an immersive environment. And when I watch your videos, the same uh, as when we look at Monet's paintings, it's very immersive. You feel there's also a sense of intimacy. I think that's important. Mm. It's not like just these big, vast landscapes uh, which have their place but he really goes into detail as you do when you're looking at uh, the river or the mountains or the streams or the garden particularly Mm -hmm. the gardens yeah I really get a feeling so after we were in Paris um, we went down to Giverny or actually up to Giverny took the train a couple hours and um, stayed in a beautiful old renovated inn that was literally one block from Monet's uh, gardens, where his his home had been, and what we learned. Oh, tell him about the um, the cider mill. How they, you know, they first uh, bought this old cider mill. Yeah, they. He uh, um, Monet was looking for a place to set up a studio, and he, they came across this old cider mill, and it had been used as a cider mill, and it wasn't functioning that way anymore. But he purchased it and reconblobulated the <laughs> whole place and just put flowers everywhere and plants everywhere and created more of a pond. It was right next to a river, so he was had a, made an arrangement with the local government that he could... Uh, Tap the river. Divert the river into the pond. uh, Or some of the river, I guess. Not the whole river. No, just parts. (laughs) The wet part. The wet part. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I just love the idea of them coming and, and buying this old you know, almost abandoned cider mill and there was a barn next to it and it was, um, and then his, he made his studio in the barn initially and then later uh, they made that, that particular uh, section of the building became his salon where he would sit and, um, you know, enjoy, enjoy the evening with his family and then they eventually built another uh, I think he had a couple of studios and eventually built a much bigger studio, which now is houses the gift store at the um, in Giverny at uh, Fondation Claude Monet, which is those is the nonprofit that is uh, managing the gardens now. I I learned something interesting um, that um, after Monet died, his daughter-in-law, who was also his stepdaughter, she had married. Uh, this is the daughter of his second wife. She had married his son. And so um, 
part of the household. And then eventually uh, that son died. Um, I can't remember why, but anyway, she ended up being uh, one of the kids who stayed with him to the end, even after his wife Alice died. Um, and her name was Blanche, and she stayed with him as a loyal, um, f- helpful friend and, you know, hostess for all the many guests that he had. But then uh, when she died, I think, uh, and then it went, the building went to her, his other son, and then eventually he died. And so there was like at least about a 40-year period where the gardens just went into complete disarray and nobody was tending them. And that is one thing that we have learned about gardens is that when you don't take care of them, uh, those buttercups and extra things all start growing up around them. And pretty soon you lose those beautiful flowers that were planted so carefully. So toward, um, I believe it was the late 40s, and this was another interesting thing because after Monet died, um, his paintings were in the Musée de Lingerie, which is that beautiful uh, oval-shaped building that has, or oval-shaped rooms that has his big paintings, um, the there wasn't that much interest. Um, abstract expressionism and and all sorts of you know modern art was coming in. So it's almost as if Monet was at the beginning and lasted through the entire uh, popularity of impressionism because when he died. People just weren't all that interested until after World War II, we heard that um, a lot of the American GIs who had been in France during the war uh, decide, uh, were on some kind of, you know, going to college or whatever, and they all wanted to go back to France, and they wanted to see the Monet paintings, and they wanted to see Monet's gardens, but of course they were in absolute disrepair. So the, uh, I believe it's the Academy of Beaux-Arts, uh, they ended up owning it and managing it and eventually put them back together, put the gardens back together. So it's, it was only in the 70s when those um, those gardens finally became uh similar to what Monet had created. Right. But they're beautiful. They've spent a lot of time bringing it up to a level that reflects what it was when Monet was living there. Well, he had gardeners, but he also was very engaged. Yeah, he did gardening himself. Mm-hmm. And he planned. He, he planned the flowers. He... He, want, he wanted uh, big swaths of color, so you don't see things as mixed up as much as big swaths of violet uh, irises or, uh, you know, crimson poppies and, you know. Yes, yeah, so those violent artists. Oh, violent. <laughs> violet. Uh, yeah. So he... Um, he was the ad- he just uh, brought gardening to a new level and and painting along with it and we really were so privileged to spend um, those five days in Giverny in the gar- actual gardens themselves. Yeah, it was pretty special. We were also pleased to realize when we came back to our own home that we are surrounded by many of the same gardens as and types of flowers that Monet has. Yeah, it was it's quite amazing to walk through our gardens too. They're not as extensive as Monet's, but they uh have a lot of variety and a lot of depth in what is going on in our garden. So we were we're doubly interested in what's happening. And I'm also doing a lot of these studies of the flowers in our garden. And the more I spend time with flowers, the more I enjoy it. 
Because they're so beautiful. We were very fortunate to be able to purchase this property over 20 years ago, and the woman who lived here before us for years had done nothing but plant flowering bushes and perennials, and we're surrounded by rhodod... I must have 15 different types of rhododendrons that bloom in the spring, particularly in May. Um, azaleas, fragrant azaleas. Uh, we have irises and lilies and all sorts of things. And then, oh, and we have the willows. It mm. just seems like everywhere we turn is something similar to what Monet had. And then at our studio in town, right next door to the studio, is a beautiful uh, pond that is actually owned by the city now. And it's partially owned by the city because of work we did um, for many years uh, to preserve uh, an urban forest. And in that process, a number of greenways levies got voted on. And so this pond was purchased. And it, there's actually a path around the pond, and there's lilies, and it's just so similar. That's a, that's very similar. And I just want to say, too, for me, having lived in Japan, it was uh, exciting to see the Japanese influences, because that's what those water gardens are all about, mm -hmm. and the little... Um, the wisteria growing around the Japanese footbridge and, uh, you know, just how he uh, was so influenced during the time. And think about the late 1800s, the world was actually getting smaller. People were traveling and learning about art and culture from different places. And Japanese art became very popular and I think was a big influence on, on Monet. So Dean, um, uh, as long as I've known you, you've been a fan of Monet. And then uh, only recently, we've just been talking about how, how that came to be. You know, what was it about Monet uh, that uh, inspired you so much? It sparked my interest, so to speak. Well, I grew up in a conservative religious environment. And my parents were very involved with the church. And they didn't get into the art world that much. They, my father was into music, but not into art. And so I started exploring things as I got into my later years of high school and looked and found that there was a group of artists, Monet being one of them, that challenged the classical art world on what was good art. And the establishment wouldn't take on representing the more modern Impressionist artists until they finally reneged and did let those artists exhibit. So he really broke barriers. He broke cultural and artistic uh, yes, traditional standards. He definitely standards. Pushed, pushed the river. Pushed so the envelope. Well, it started a whole new genre. And that inspired me. It gave me a perspective that I could explore new areas of thinking and new ways of thinking. And I could study art differently. I can study music differently. And so I did. I enveloped myself in the modern approach and I've, that's how our music evolves. Well I think uh, there's so many parallels between you and Monet as far as uh, breaking uh, boundaries and um, coming up with new uh, forms of art and expression and music because when we started our um, 
peaceful relaxation music in 1979, there was nothing like it, at least that we were aware of. There were a few musicians around the country who had kind of also exploring this kind of music. We had heard Paul Horn play flute in the Taj Mahal. We love that. And that inspired us a lot. So you you did already have that kind of energy going. But when um, we had been doing video through the 70s, and then when it by 79, we had all these videos with no place to play them because the technology hadn't caught up with the distribution. And so when you went out in the desert and... Yeah. We also were concerned about the environment and what decisions were being made by the moneyed people. And we wanted to help the population, the human race, to get... a handle on what it was to live here. It wasn't just gobble up the whole earth and spit it out. There was a earth here that was beautiful and wonderful and available. Well, it's the source of our, our, our uh, physical uh, livelihood and of so much of our spiritual livelihood, too. And I think, you know, when we started our kind of peaceful music, Dean had recorded the birds at dawn in the desert, and then we added our flute and harp, and our friend Jonathan Kramer played cello, and we, people said, you know, we we don't know where to put this. It, it, they never heard anything like it. It it helped them relax. It helped them be peaceful and deal with chronic pain, all sorts of things. Yeah, it it was it went way beyond what we thought we were what we thought we were doing. Yeah, we were making peace. Well, we were making peaceful music, and we had been influenced by. Um, the protests of the 60s and realizing that we knew what we were against, but we didn't quite know what we were for. And that's what our, our decade of in, uh, living in the school bus and doing our videos was about in the 70s. But when the 80, when seven, late 70s came along, we, we wanted to learn. We, we didn't, weren't just doing things for ourselves. We wanted to share it, and we wanted to learn about distribution. So we that's how we ended up starting our, our record label, Soundings of the Planet. And we just kept going, and it was just like you to take one step at a time and and keep trying to. Yep, there's the next step. Take it. <laughs> so anyway, uh, we just um, wanted to share a little bit with you about our our uh, connection with Monet, with Claude Monet, and impressionist art, and how important it was to us. We also visited Etretat, which is uh, up north a little bit on uh, in the Normandy coast, and uh, that's where he paint, painted those cliffs. We, had, we 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 stayed in Enfleur, which is this beautiful thousand-year-old village. Um, fishing village and that was just amazing very artistic and Monet has spent a lot of time there he was actually from the Av which is the big uh, port which crossed the river this was at the right at the mouth of the Seine and then about north of that a bit was the Etretat cliffs and so we were just uh, thrilled to be really immersing ourselves in the art and culture of Monet's Impressionist France and just how it ties in with a lot of what we're doing today yeah so, hope you have a chance to listen to our album Monet's Garden. Of course, you can always find us online and on YouTube. We've got lots of videos. We have a beautiful video that's a full hour of uh, the Monet's Gardens. And then we have some shorter videos that give you, just give you a sense of things. So, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. And stay tuned. We'll be sharing some more as time goes on. We sure will. Thank you. Peace through music. Thank you for listening to our Soundings podcast. 
We hope you've enjoyed this program. To learn more about our music, guided meditations, and videos, please visit our website and blog at soundings.com. Peace through music blessings.